Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all and uh, courtesy of Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier, the experts in agriculture. Uh, for the next three hours, uh, we shall uh, keep you entertained with um, Tony Johnson, TJ. Yeah, terrific call at the weekend uh, with the Blues-Hurricanes uh, game. So uh, TJ with his view on uh, what was uh, his aspects um, that impressed him and perhaps otherwise uh, during that weekend of Super Rugby, which was... Uh, just passing uh, Aaron Smith, of course, uh, his last appearance down there under the roof at uh, Dunedin. Um, what did TJ make of all that? Right, uh, we'll have a cricket update uh, just uh, before 9.30 this morning. Kieran Bingham, Keza, Keza, as we know him and love him. Uh, he'll be uh, in the studio with us uh, because uh, he is a netball nut, as they say, a nitty nut. Uh, he is brilliant, and he will uh, sum up uh, what he saw in terms of the stars and the pulse at the weekend and of course the prospects of the grand final coming up in Hamilton next weekend uh, Polaris uh, Sports Desk uh, Logan Swinkles is back in the chair today so Logan uh, will have the Sports Desk uh, Sports Desk as well too uh, he'll have it courtesy of Polaris uh, Justin Nelson will be with us just after 10 o'clock to uh, look at uh, the NBA the Boston Celtics have forced game 7 can you believe that if they win that that's uh, history Absolute history, and I'm not betting against them now. They're going home. Nigel Yeldon and Aidan McLaughlin with the panel just after 10.20 this morning. Uh, we shall have Vossi just after 11 o'clock. He'll give it to us, and so we deserve to cop it as well. And Daniel McCarty at about 11.30 this morning after a stump smithy uh, because, of course, uh, an absorbing last round of the EPL. And, of course, they play all the games uh, on the same day. They kick them off at the same time. And what drama there was to the last kick of the ball. Absolutely fantastic. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Right, uh, alcohol, stupidity, selfishness, not normally the first three words you want to use after an absorbing weekend of sport. Oh, and you can add shame to that for good measure. As a Hawke's Bay local, I am ashamed of a small group of fans who thought they would be better entertainment than the Broncos and the Warriors and an even bigger brainless group who cheer them on. And that is half the problem. Half the problem. You cheer these idiots as they run onto the field. You make them heroes for their five seconds of fame. Don't cheer them on. Don't cheer them on. Pitch invaders are complete and utter dickheads. You ruin the game's momentum. You threaten safety and you probably jeopardize the chance of a return visit, a rare return visit for a long, long period of time, if ever. Already, CEO Cameron George has thrown his opinion in the ring on a possible return, and this is a man who, up until this fiasco began, was in awe of the crowd, the stadium, and the occasion. I promise you that from personal experience, I was standing pretty close to him. 
as we're a handful of warriors, ambassadors and dignitaries, and what a terrific bunch they are, just by the by. And don't expect any major punishment for these fools around here either. I read just Friday of two young home invaders who beat a 78-year-old man within an inch of his life, walking free, walking free, because it's the best for their future. Now, I don't even know if there are bus tickets around these days, but if they do, it'll be a couple of wet ones over the wrist and a don't do it again. Great deterrent, that. Not. Years and years of doing Magpies games at McLean Park. I can't remember such behaviour once. Maybe one lady during a rare all-black test and a few during hours of grog at the cricket, but this is the top entry into the Hall of Shame. Aside from that, I loved every bit of my first NRL game. The Broncos deserved the win just. The Warriors showed that they don't uh, die uh, very easily these days, which will keep the fans coming back time and time again. Just not to Napier, or at least not for a very, very long time. Thanks, you dickheads. And if you know one of them, pass on my regards, please, in the nicest possible way. Right, let's get on to uh, better things. And there was some very, very good rugby played over the weekend and Super Rugby, uh, the competition, just as it needs to be, is hotting up at the sharp end and it's uh, some quality coming through from a lot of quality individuals, including uh, the man that is with us now, Tony Johnson, of course, uh, never lets us down with his calls, uh, his expertise and the way he can uh, get up and down for the occasion uh, is one of his great traits. And uh, this uh, was a weekend where... Said goodbye to Aaron Smith and Dunedin in dramatic fashion as Falau Fakatava stole the victory in the 17th, 9th minute, selling the dummy in a big way that made Aaron jump for joy. Meanwhile, the Blues, the Chiefs, and the Crusaders were all rolling to kick us off now. TJ is with us. Uh, TJ, happy Monday morning to you, sir. Morning, Smithy. It's interesting, you know, we had some people come into the box on uh, Saturday night. They'd, uh, it was a charity thing. Uh, it was people from Bailey's and they'd paid some money to have a big tour of Eden Park. And one of them asked me, you know, we were chatting about doing commentary one of them said about streakers and i said well our policy is we ignore them and i I use pretty much the same expression that you just did and i actually raised the question are we the only country in the world where this actually happens where you get these sort of idiots running on the field i don't i don't it it long since ceased to be amusing to me i know know it amuses some people but to me every time i see it it's just embarrassing mate well that's the thing for me tony they're idiots they are complete nutter idiots but they are uh, and their intellects are so low that they enjoy the applause and the and the you know the backing from certain sections of the crowd. They, they think they're yeah, heroes, yeah. Uh, you know, and that well, is half know, the they, problem they, to all me. All they've done is that they've, they've really damaged the cause, and you know, people are now saying that that you know Napier, which to me is a place I always love to go to watch sport, and I've watched cricket there and rugby and other sports over the years. It's just going to damage the hopes of that happening again. You know, again going to Napier again for the Warriors. Yeah, as I said, um, uh, Cameron George, I can tell you, Cameron George Cappy, um, the, the, the Warriors uh, aficionado, were thrilled at what they saw. The lining up of the fans, TJ, I've never seen it. I, I imagine back in the Shield days in the 60s, it was like that. They were lying down the streets, yeah. both all the streets surrounding yeah. the ground, trying to get in. I, I don't think I've seen anything like that in all my time here in the Bay. Um, and then, the, of course, we talk about we have to talk about this, which is a shame. But let's uh, let's talk about the rugby because you're very much part of it. And the Highlanders uh, winning just at the right time, but just in time over the Reds in Dunedin. 
Yeah, there was something almost symbolic about it, wasn't it? The game started off being very much a salute to Aaron Smith and ended up being a nod to the future with Falau Fakatava. Uh, he, he's a brilliant young player. He, he's still got a, a, a fair way to go in terms of his ability to manage a game, to control a game, but there's no doubt the brilliance is there. And, and he showed it at the end, the way he took that opportunity. It, it really is one of his trademarks. In between times, I, I'd have to say, uh, I thought they were a bit lucky uh, particularly with the second to last try that they scored, uh, there was a, a fairly strong hint of a forward pass that I, I, I'm not sure whether they checked it or not, but to, to me they might have got away with one there, but again, they just showed that typical, traditional Highlanders grit and determination to hang into the contest, to keep bashing away, and score a win that, that does keep them in the hunt, um, only just that they're still going to have to probably get some points at Eden Park to have a chance of staying in the top eight but it keeps them alive and it means uh, you know we, we are going to see we'll see Aaron Smith one more time in, in Super Rugby at least mm, we will um, he, he, there's a headline this morning on stuff that says Smith tells Fokatava the Highlanders can be your team now can they? Oh absolutely as I say he, he's still got some development to go in his game you know, talking to people who've coached him, that, that's the thing that, you know, he's got to work on, the tactical awareness. But the brilliance is there. Uh, he's got a lovely pass. He's quick. But that ability, and, and we're, we're seeing it a bit more this year, particularly with the change to the laws that enables um, the halfback a little bit more uh, time and space at the, at the base of the scrum in particular with the opposition halfback not allowed to come out. We're, this is the year where we've seen halfbacks running more uh, Cameron Roygaard, for example, to great effect with the Hurricanes. And, and so that's tailor-made for a guy like Falau Fakatawa. But it, it's his ability, not just from the scrum, around the ruck, uh, to, just to spot an opening and to back himself to go for it. No question. He, he's been learning from the best. And if he can continue to develop his game, then, then the, the future is huge for him. Crusaders 42, Waratahs 18. Uh, Scoreline, I think, was predictable. And I guess the way things are going this season, uh, so was the injury count again. David Harvey is there. Um, uh, Cullen Grace and uh, Leah Wheeler, we are also injured, injured over the weekend, Tony. When is it going to stop? And John Huff, oh, what a story. Yeah, yeah. Look, they were untroubled. Um, you know, that was a, a really good performance. They controlled the game. Uh, the, the, there's good news. I mean, to see Sam Whitelock back from that injury and in really good form. Ethan Blackadder, they tell us, just around the corner from coming back. Will Jordan uh, signing on till 2027. That is brilliant news because he's one of the most exciting players in the game. Johnny R4 at 39. Uh, I believe this makes him the oldest player to have played Super Rugby, that he actually eclipses Brad Thorne. We never thought we'd say that. And, and, and just the joy on his face at being back. Uh, the interviews that he gave like, during and after the game, you know, the guy was just, um, he just seemed so happy to be there. And the, and the word is that, that Auckland are trying pretty hard to get him into their NPC team as well uh, for the interview. So that's, that's all the good news. Um, the bad news, yeah, David Harvey hamstring, we know how tricky they can be. And Cullen Grace, who's just had such a wretched run of luck with his uh, injuries, you know, he came back from a pretty serious one. He'd been playing really, really well, starting to get himself back into the all-black frame. But when they start talking about kneecap injuries, uh, they're very rarely, uh, are they, you know, a, a one-week job. So you've just got to have fingers crossed for those two. I suppose we'll find out in the, in the next few days. But 
uh, Havili in particular, they won't want to go into the playoffs without him because uh, twofold. Firstly, you know the, the, the things that he brings just as an individual, his own skill set, but also the way he uh, just takes a little bit of a load off Richie Moonga. Uh, you know, decision making, kicking, those sorts of things. To me, Richie Moonga always plays better when David Havili is outside him, and so that's going to be the biggest concern, I think, out of those. Right, let's get to uh, the game which you uh, called with uh, Mills and KT at uh, Eden Park, 36-25. Not sure, oh, well, you know, time is a long thing, but Tony, what a, an individual performance. But what a, I've seen people score four tries before, but not in such a unique fashion that Mark Talia did in those conditions. Yeah, you start thinking to yourself, I need to find another word here. I need to find another adjective. Um, you're, you're right. Uh, and just looking at his match stats, and I, I know, uh, you know you know, people pluck stats out of the air for everything these days, but I did have a look. Uh, he got the ball 10 times. He beat 10 defenders. He made four clean breaks, scored four tries, and got in a nice offload as well. So, uh, you know, he... he Managed to find different ways to score his tries. You, you just get the feeling now, every time he gets the ball, the, the, the way you know, a, a little player had broken down a bit, picked up a loose ball, and I think it made the comment, anything could happen here. Well, he just it was like the, the, the sea parting. He just carved up the middle, mm. and three or four players who thought they might have had him, had him covered didn't get a finger on him. Um, and then the last one, too, that the scoop up on... on, on Wet conditions, you know, someone likened that to the sort of thing that Rapini Thauthau used to do in the rain. Um, remarkable. Yeah, look, there's, there's still sometimes uh, the, the defensive play, there's the odd slip there. But, but to me, this guy just inked himself into the World Cup team. I, I totally agree. Uh, absolutely there. Um, Hurricanes, what did you make of, of their performance? They hung tough for as much as, a, as they could. Yeah, I think both teams did pretty well to keep each other in the game at times. Um, and, and yeah, and with Artie Savia, as always, you know, we, you know, so much has been said about him over the years, but just that ability to come up, do something really heroic. And, he, he, you know, like Talia, he, he sort of influenced in, in, in different ways, whether it was a, you know, a, a much-needed defensive turnover at a, at a ruck or just coming off the back of the scrum to throw a beautiful pass uh, you know, reminiscent of his days, I believe, when he was uh, played at centre for Rongatai College, Smithy. Uh, so mm. yeah, he's got that skill set. Um, but but in the end, you know, a, a game that they they desperately had to win. They were not helped again. Their, their line out has been a real issue the last couple of weeks, and they'll have to sort that out going into the playoffs. Um, just losing ball off their own throw that that's been a, a, a key factor in the last two weeks. They're now in a situation where. Uh, not only would they uh, have to beat the Crusaders this week, but they'll probably need a result or two to go their way if they're to get into the top four and that home semi uh, quarter final that their fans at Sky Stadium would so dearly love to have. It was always going to be tough going. A brutal second half schedule for the Hurricanes. To me, I think they've done a great job to get themselves into the into the middle of that playoff zone. But uh, in, in, in the end, uh, just... The difference between the two teams was the brilliance of one player. Not the greatest night uh, conditions-wise, TJ, but you're a little concerned, well, not often we talk about it, concerned about the goal-kicking overall. I mean, um, Geordie missed a couple, uh, Stephen Patafet, a rare appearance from him. Uh, they could have been crucial in the mix, but a little bit of concern there, perhaps? 
Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing too that cost them. I think uh, depends how however you look at it. Do you count the the, the kicks that they didn't take at goal? Uh, or just the ones that they did take at goal. If you count the ones that they did take at goal, they left 12 points on the tee. You could argue that it was 15, 16, you know, from kicks that they, they didn't take, um, you know, penalties that, that might have been kickable. So, yeah, look, I think you just put that down as, as an off night. He, he certainly didn't look very happy at the end of the game, Geordie. Um, brother Bodie sitting upstairs in the, the comfort of the, uh, the sponsor's box. Uh, celebrating his 32nd birthday with his family up there. I think he would have been the, the happiest member, member of the Barrett family on, uh, on, on Saturday night. And, yeah, but look, you know, we know what Geordie can do uh, with, you know, off the kicking tee. He, he just had a bad night. Not the easiest of conditions to kick. I, I wouldn't be, you know, sounding too many alarm bells at the moment. It was just not a great night at the office for a, for a guy who we know is a very, very good player and a very good goal kicker. Uh, and just uh, finally, in terms of the New Zealand sides, um, we know how hard it is to go to Canberra, how long it takes, in fact. But uh, the Chiefs, 31, the Brumbies, 21. Uh, earmarked the performances of a side that can genuinely win this competition. Yeah, Smithy, I reckon 31 21 is almost misleading. Uh, you know, a 10 point margin to me, the Chiefs were more than a 10 point dom better side. Uh, I, I thought. Yeah, the, 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 the Brumbies, they, they managed to close the gap towards the end, which gave the score a more respectable look to it. And, and they started pretty well, too. But in between, the Chiefs absolutely dominated this. I, you know, led uh, by uh, Luke Jacobson, had his best game of the season. Just a little reminder, when there's so much debate about, you know, the all-black loose forward makeup, uh, you know, that, that, that style that he's got of running with those sort of hunched shoulders, it's very deceptive. He's very hard to stop once he gets a roll going. And uh, threw a, a nice dummy too on, on his way to the try line. And the Cortez Ratima too coming on for, for Brad Weber had an outstanding game. They kind of led the attack, but to me, the, the key to it was their defence. First of all, they spiked uh, the Brumbies' biggest gun. Uh, some would say their only gun. Oh, I think that would be a little bit harsh, but their line out drive, they hardly made a metre off their line out drive. Uh, Clayton McMillan, Brody Retallick, Sam Kane had obviously done their homework. They knew exactly where to defend it, and they just nullified it completely. So that was the other thing. And also their, their tackle completion. I mean, you look at some, Sam Kane leading the way, and I just thought the way he conducted himself, the post-match interview, just reminded us of, of why he is the captain of the All Blacks. Uh, 20 tackles, just the one miss. Uh, Jacobson, 17 tackles, uh, just the one miss. Uh, one a turnover, scored a try. Uh, the defence was, was what to me, allowed them to control the game because the Brumbies just simply weren't able to create enough opportunities to threaten them. That was a comprehensive performance. Uh, absolutely secure now at the top of the table. They can do what they like with this last game against the Force and, and, and go back to Hamilton and know that they will be there in Hamilton as long as they are in the competition. Tony Johnson, as always, uh, fantastic to hear your summation of uh, the weekend. Um, and uh, you have a terrific week, uh, TJ. Thanks for your time. Oh, pleasure, Smithy. Good on you, mate. Thank you. It, it is. Uh, Tony Johnson there with uh, his sum up, summing up of uh, how the, he felt the New Zealand sides went over the weekend. And yes, uh, the Chiefs, uh, it isn't easy to go to Canberra. Um, and the Brumbies were hurting. Uh, they've, uh, they're a side that uh, take a lot of pride in defending their turf there. And to be um, beaten up there is a very, very good sign for the Chiefs. And uh, at the moment, of course, now they've sealed the deal. If they keep winning, 
They don't have to leave Hamilton. It's as simple as that. 921 here on SENZ. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rightio, uh, let's uh, take a look at uh, our cricket update, courtesy of uh, Razine this morning. Uh, bad news for the Australian women's uh, cricket team because their inspirational captain, uh, Meg Lanning, has been ruled out of the ashes uh, due to uh, medical reasons. Elisa Healy will lead the side in the, the multi-format series, which begins, of course, on June 22nd, just uh, a little bit after the men's ashes. Uh, Lanning returned to playing in January after taking an extensive break from the game to manage her mental health. Um, but uh, it's no good. Uh, unfortunately, it's been a bit of a setback. So uh, her, uh, her replacement as captain will be uh, also the inspirational uh, Elisa Healy. Um, she'll do a fine job, supported by Talia McGrath as a vice captain. So uh, that is the story of the women's ashes. Um, we were going to give you, um, I guess, a bit of a review of uh, the IPL Grand Final, uh, but it didn't happen uh, because the Chennai Super Kings and the Gujarat Titans uh, looked out of the window and I made a bed all afternoon waiting for the rain to clear. And in the end, uh, because of the incessant rain, uh, they decided that they would reschedule it. So uh, 2 a.m. tomorrow morning, our time will be the IPL Grand Final in uh, Medabad. One of the most amazing things uh, you'll see on a golf course is happening at the moment. Um, Emiliano Grillo is uh, leading the tournament, playing the 18th hole. Uh, you'll see this on the, net, on the news, on the highlights. This is just bizarre. Uh, he hit his ball from the tee, sliced it, um, and he went into a drain with water in it, um, and the ball has still not stopped going forward with the current. So the ball has just tracking and tracking and tracking. Now, I'm not quite sure. I've never seen this before. It's in a hazard, but I don't know whether, until it's come to rest, whether they can do anything about it. Uh, we need a rules official here at SENZ for the golf, but that would be very unusual. The thing is that um, he's leading the tournament, but he'll have to take a penalty because he's in a... But where he takes that penalty from, and when the ball stops, I mean, I mean it, could, it could end up going off the course. Uh, the ball, it's just, it's just, and it's travelling right now at a fairly decent rate of knots, I think it's fair to say. The crowd are following it, the television cameras are following this ball. I mean, if they could get the markings on it, it would be the greatest uh, advertisement for a golf ball in your life because it's de- determining so much of the coverage here. But this ball just keeps on going now. Emiliano Grillo is walking after it. Um, and where it comes to rest, I do not know. And what the, what the rules are, I do not know. Uh, because normally when you hit the ball in the drink, it just sits there at the bottom of the drink. This just keeps on going. Um, so, And this is bizarre because this is the tournament leader here. Now, I can see the path of this um, canal, if you like. It's almost a small canal. Um, and it looks like they're going to make a ruling and say to uh, Meliano Grillo, you must play from here. There must be a standard rule there uh, because the, the canal basically is going to leave the golf course shortly and so will the ball. Simple as that. 9.30 here on SCNZ. We'll keep you updated as we do on a Monday morning uh, with that. But uh, just by and large, uh, bizarre happenings. Bizarre happenings in the latest tournament on the PGA. One in which at the moment, Ryan Fox, having finished, is in a tie of 21st. The ball's just come to rest. It's hit a rock and a twig. And it's still, it's stationary. It's finally stationary. Uh, 9.30 here on SCNZ. Bizarre. Download the SCNZ app.
High risk, high return for the Pulse. 49, 51, trailing by two, 15 seconds. It's in the hands of Wilson. Crampton is looking. What is the silver food skipper do? She can't find anyone and she gives it to Maturo. Five seconds. Four seconds. There's a contact adjacent to the goal. The hooter goes. It's a shot for Malasala to make it to the final. And the umpire says, go. Malasala says, I go. I got there. G'day Hamilton, oh see you next gosh. week, see you what next the week, hell and is the going... Stars are into their third grand final, they've done it away from home, they've done it with Ticker, and they've done it by coming from behind by four goals. My god, what a call, what a call, Mark Stafford and Brooke Lever commentating the ANZ Premiership Elimination Final uh, over the weekend. Uh, just amazing. That was between the defending champion, the Pulse, who were slight favourites, I think, at home uh, against the Northern Stars here on SCNZ. Terrific. Um, that is getting the flavour of what's going on out on court. The stage now is set for a big grand final this Sunday in Hamilton between the Northern Stars and the Northern Mystics. It's a Northern matchup. And uh, joining us now is uh, Centre Pass host Kieran Bingham to uh, go through. Uh, the ramifications and review the game. Firstly, um, Keza, firstly, is Brooke Lever still alive after that call? And I hope Staffy can turn up this afternoon. Oh, Jeepers, Smithy. Look, I'm looking out there right now. I've got Mark Stafford in my eyeline vision. I'll tell you what, he's got two bottles right now. One's probably a Red Bull and the other one's probably uh, a, a bit of uh, hydro to keep him going throughout the day. Because I'll tell you what, listening to Sammy Hewitt and Tony Kemp calling those Warriors and, and the, the could have been greatest game-winning try call of all time. And then we back it up on Sunday with Mark Stafford losing the voice. Smithy, I was here uh, pushing the buttons, putting it all to air, and jeepers, I'll tell you what, I got a bit of a shake going on near the end. How exciting was that? It was brilliant. Um, it was befitting um, a match between a couple of very even sides uh, and an elimination, an absolute elimination playoff. So everything on the line for one of them. One lives uh, and it's the Stars. The other doesn't. The pulse, uh, the season is over. So uh, down 29-25 at the break, uh, the Stars were... What did you make of uh, that second half, second half comeback? Yeah, look, uh, before the game, Smithy, I was very, very confident in the pulse getting through. I don't know. It's just it's just their, their form as of late has is, is really seemed to rise. But it's still that third quarter this season where, where they've sort of gone wrong. And, and if you look at the score, uh, just in the third quarter alone, the Stars managed to win that quarter 18-6. And now you talk about a momentum shift. That was completely it. Uh, for the Pulse there. Firepower in the midcourt just sort of got pulled away by the likes of Mila Riuli Buchanan and Simon Nathan, who's just, in the last few weeks, Smithy, stepped up to a whole nother level. The, the pressure that's been put on the Stars' defensive end uh, to start the season, losing Anna Harrison, obviously, uh, before the season. She hung up the boots, decided to retire, and then Kayla Cullen, Kayla Johnson, apologies, uh, going off and having a baby. So it was a lot of pressure put on their defensive end, the likes of Simon Nathan, uh, Holly Fowler, Timu and Kalira Nawe Kaukau and, and they've really stepped up and managing to disrupt the Pulse who we've seen is, is a very aggressive team especially in that midcourt area I'm talking about the combination of Silverfern Maddie Gordon and, and Silverfern Whitney Soonis as well, they've really gelled over the last few weeks so look I was confident going into this that the Pulse would be able to pull away but Something must have been in those halftime oranges, Smithy, because the stars, uh, especially Mila Riulu Buchanan, Amorangi Malasala, and Maya Wilson, just came out firing, and the Pulse were, just weren't able to respond. Maya Wilson, 36 from 38, continues to impress in pressure situations. 
And yes, uh, Amorangi Malasala, 17 from 21. The youngster Amorangi Malasala as well, and, and she's sort of flown under the radar to start the season, Smithy. We're used to seeing Jamie Hume uh, in that uh, shooting circle alongside Maya Wilson, but giving Amorangi Malasala the confidence um, in, in the starts, and that's all come from coach Kitty Wills instilling that confidence in her. You can watch her when you play out there, Smithy, and, and I don't know if this is a thing because there is a World Cup this year or, or what the story is, but you see these players, the Maya Wilsons, the Tiana Matoros, the the Grace Wickies, they sort of have a bit of uh, a, a bit of stress behind them, thinking, am I going to be in contention? Am I going to be selected for the Silver Ferns? Amorangi Malasala is a name that hasn't been mentioned uh, in Silver Fern selection. She's never made the squad. So she just plays with this confidence and this swagger that you don't necessarily see in the Premiership these days, Smithy. She's cool, calm and collected. She's willing to shoot from anywhere. We saw her shoot from the edge of the circle about three times yesterday and, and all of them sunk as well. So the Confidence in the star shooting end has been really impressive. And when you've got Gina Crampton at wing attack, Mila Riulu Buchanan at centre, feeding the circle 87 times combined, how can you stop that? Gina Crampton's performance, uh, what did you make of that? Firing, absolutely firing. Gina is one of those players that doesn't necessarily stand out on court and I mean this with, with the most utmost respect. For me, Gina Crampton is a very vanilla player and I think she uses that uh, to to uh, very much help her out there on court. Playing wing attack, it's it's really easy to be a quote-unquote vanilla player because you're just doing all the right things. You're doing your jobs, you're supporting your centre and also your wing defence on both offensive and defence. Gina Crampton is a sniper, Smithy, I'll tell you what. She's second up there to, to Peter Toyava and feeding the ball in the competition. She's she's just been phenomenal and especially creeping into the World Cup year. Her form has peaked at the absolute right time, so really impressed with Gina uh, yesterday. Really looking forward to seeing how she comes up next week against the Mystics. So the end of uh, the Pulse in this particular season, which also means the end for Yvette McCausland-Dury. Uh, tell us about uh, the legacy she leaves behind with the Pulse. What a coach, Smithy. And, and I spoke to her, Storm and I spoke to her a few weeks back on, on Centre Pass and Focus. And oh, jeepers, Smithy, when the final hurdle went yesterday, I just couldn't quite believe it that this would be uh, the last time we're seeing Yvette McCausland jury with the Pulse. She is going over uh, to open another school, St. Stephen's, with her wonderful husband. And, and they're, they're very passionate about education, Smithy. And you can really hear that in Yvette's voice when she talks about it. We all know that she's going to miss the game of netball. And and, and what she's done for the players. I'll, I'll give you this one, Smithy. We caught up with Michaela Sokolich-Beatson briefly at the Mystic and Silver Fern after yesterday's game. And, and we asked her, what does Yvette McCausland-Jury mean to netball? And, and Mickey took us back to the Commonwealth Games where Yvette was the assistant coach. And she'd take players individually and write them a little post-it note of, of what she thinks their strengths are, just as a little takeaway. And the players cradled that, you know, Smithy, late at night, that if they were feeling down about their performance, they'd pull it out and, and just look at what a vet uh, ha- had to say for them. Because she has that effect on players. Anyone that she brings in, whether it's her young Pulse team that she has now, you can just really see it on court. The leadership, the confidence that she instills in them, she's going to be very dearly missed. Rightio, let's uh, look at uh, the final this weekend, a northern final. It will be played in a neutral venue in the terms of the Globox Arena in Hamilton. Um, is it the Mystics um, 
to lose, in your opinion? 100% it's the Mystics to lose, Smithy. They've just, to me, they've just sort of been a level above everyone else this year. Um, they just seem faster, uh, quicker to let go of the ball. And, and having Grace Wickey is, is already uh, making your defenders have a little nightmare. But look, it is the stars that they're playing. They're uh, Northern Sisters, as we like to call them. And they do not back down from a fight. If we take it back, the last time I was on the show with you, Smithy, was the, the morning after the double extra time between the Mystics and the Stars. So, look, I, I don't think at all it's going to be an easy uh, breeze for the Mystics. Obviously, we look back to last year's grand final between the Pulse and the Stars. The Stars just didn't show up at all, and, and they did get battered by the Pulse. And that's something that they've they've put on their identity, Smithy, and they are taking to Hamilton this week with the fight of saying, hey, we know that we can take you guys down. We've done it already this season. And, and look, they're, they're, they're here to win, Smithy, at all. So I, I think in terms of what we're going to see out there, I think... It is going to be a, a very dominated Mystics game, but don't don't back down from the stars as well. I mentioned before Mila Ryulu Buchanan and Gina Crampton. That is going to be, for me, the area where the Mystics need to slow them down. Uh, just going back to last night, 87 feed, Smithy, between the two of them. I mean, you, the, if I'm the Mystics, I'm slotting Michaela Sokolic beats in onto Gina Crampton at all times, trying to restrict her movement um, because we know what she can do out there on the court. So I don't think the stage has been set for a better grand final in the last few years in this smithy and a northern challenge for me as an Auckland boy how good is that well uh, obviously you'll be all over it and uh, hopefully next uh, Monday morning we'll be able to have a chat to you about it my old mate because you sum it up beautifully Kez have a terrific day thank you smithy got, uh, more work to more work to do throughout the day so uh, thanks the way you've, you've summed it up and uh, we can start also looking forward to uh, the World Cup in uh, South Africa because that of course is uh, in July and um, no, not much more netball for uh, Dame Nolene to, to uh, run her eyes over, uh, along with Laura Langman and co, um, in terms of preparation for that. Keza, uh, thank you very much for that. Kieran Bingham, folks, uh, is our man in charge of our netball portfolio. Staffy doing a great job with the call with Brooke Lever as well. It is uh, 9.41 here on SNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it, know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, Atlanta Braves today to beat the Phillies at a dollar thirty-eight. Banfield to beat Rosario, and uh, this is in Argentine uh, Argentine football, uh, the Argentina uh, Premier League. So that's at a two dollars twenty-five. Banfield, um, and in women's NBA action today, uh, Las Vegas Aces play against the Minnesota Lynx, and I'm forecasting there will be under under one hundred and sixty-nine point five points at a dollar eighty-five. So. The Braves into Banfield into the unders in the women's NBA is uh, out at $5.74. We have uh, a, a multitude of uh, really fine texts as well. Um, incidentally, uh, this is an interesting one. Um, Smithy, uh, Marina, Marina Smithy, totally agree with you, Riyad, at some McLean Park. Make them all dig silt for 12 months. That would be interesting. It was an embarrassment to all fans. You know and I know, Marshy. They're not going to cop too much in terms of that. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, in fact, 
Uh, Brendan Popwell comes in and says, look, uh, and thanks for this, Pops. I recently attended Magic Round. 50,000-plus people attending Suncourt each day for three days. Not one. Not one pitch invader. Why? 10K fine for anyone running on to Suncorp, and this is displayed around the ground and on the big screens. They make it very obvious. Clearly, that's uh, something that we've got to look at here um, because uh, they won't stop until it hits them somewhere. Uh, some people coming in in the, mor- in the morning show, and uh, in, in fact, the breakfast show, saying, look, don't worry about fining them. They won't pay it. They don't, they don't pay it, these kids these days. They don't care. They don't pay it. They won't pay the fines. They just go, they think it's a joke. Um, and talk about a joke, uh, unknown, unnamed texter comes in and says, Smithy, they only got a trespass notice. They only got a trespass notice, these people. Police say not enough evidence to charge them as there was no nudity. What a joke. What a joke. Well, if that is, if that is the case, then we've got to look at our country seriously. Clothes or no clothes, they cause the disruption and put the danger of, of players and people at risk for the... You know, the, the clothes issue is not a thing. The fact is, they trespassed and they should be uh, uh, liable for the ramifications of what they did. And it, it, I mean, we've got more texts to read out, Sam. I've got yours coming up shortly, but oh, it just makes you livid, doesn't it? Absolutely livid about this situation. Oh, goodness me. The amount of people that put the work in, uh, you know, uh, the effort that's gone in there. Hawks Bay organisers to get the Warriors there in the first place. It's just, the more you think about it, the more you want to take an ad break. And that's what we'll do. Thank you. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Radio, it's uh, 9.53 here on our S, in fact it's 9.55, but uh, we're going to get across to the sports desk as quickly as we possibly can, courtesy of Polaris, the field day specials are on now, you can get up to $2,500 free accessories on Polaris Rangers, that's just one of them. Uh, Logan, uh, good morning to you again. Um, interesting morning. Yeah, we've had close eyes on the golf this morning, Smithy. The PGA's Charles Schwab challenge. Ryan Fox, he is just doing New Zealand proud at the moment. Currently sitting tied for 21st. Uh, he finished his round today two. Uh, one under today, so he finishes two over total. Uh, so good for him. Uh, we've also been tracking <laughs> the top three pairing here, Smithy. Emiliano Grillo is now in the clubhouse on eight under, while Adam Schenk and Harry Hall are playing the uh, par four 18th hole at the moment. So after Grillo's ball went for a little detour, uh, he went for a he he shot a six, so he he was ten under, gone to eight under. So he'll probably look to not be in this playoff. I would imagine unless uh, Hall and Schenk only par on this par four hole. So we'll see. So we're keeping updates on that, Smithy, and of course the Indy five hundred uh, wrapped up this morning, and there was a whole lot of chaos. Whole lot of chaos. Here's one crash for you. Nothing though, guys, as we see Joseph Newgarden on the outside of Felix Rosenquist moves that shell car. Felix in the wall, big time. This is going to be a big hit right here. I don't know if he's going to keep it out of the turn two wall. Oh no, Kirkwood. Ooh, Kirkwood upside down. And really dramatic footage there, Smithy, because you saw a tire go flying off. Luckily, just missed the grandstands and hit a car 
in the car park, and that's it. And then there was another restart with uh, two laps to go, another red flag. So it was a massive shootout to the chequered flag. 300,000 plus in the stands today have seen it all. Green flag flies at the speedway. Hello is on the inside of Rossi, but Ericsson has bolted. Ericsson sprints away from Joseph Newgarden and is doing what he did a year ago. The second year in a row we see him unleashing the dragon. Joseph Newgarden has never won the Indianapolis 500 and he's ahead on this last lap. Joseph Newgarden, is this the moment when the pain ends? The drought, is it over for Joseph Newgarden? Or does Marcus Ericsson have something? Team Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Joseph Newgarden finally wins the Indianapolis 500. It's the captain's 19th win, Newgarden's first. Oh, the audio of all the cars whizzing past me there. That is lovely to hear in your headphones. Uh, Scott Dixon finished sixth and then fellow Team Penske teammate to Newgarden, of course, is New Zealand's own Scotty McLaughlin. He finished 14th and then they got to get up and do it all again with the Detroit Grand Prix on Monday, Smithy. There's still there's so much sport going on. We could have talked about the French Open, the Stanley Cup playoffs as well, but uh, we've got to wrap things up here on the Sports Desk where Polaris Field Day specials are on now. Get up to 2,500 free accessories on Polaris Rangers Smithy. Just before the, uh, just before, of course, we do go to the news. We do have uh, a 30 seconds for a final review for you on the Maple Leafs because I'm not quite sure uh, we've spoken to you since then. Yep, you're right. I haven't been on the show since May 11. It, it, it impacted me so deep that I had to take that much time <laughs> off. Um, and we'll, maybe we'll touch on it more later, Smithy, but it's going to be a very interesting offseason. They've already said go- go- goodbye to the GM, who was very much a fan favourite and beloved by yours truly. OK, right, we'll take a news break shortly. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be talking to Justin Nelson, of course, about basketball. Download the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, that was uh, yesterday. The NBA Finals uh, continue, um, and it's uh, firing on all cylinders, uh, both in America, of course, and back here in New Zealand with the sales NBL. Uh, and the fans will be treated to a Game 7 thriller tomorrow in the Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Uh, closer to home, the battle for a spot in the sales NBL Final 6 is getting intense as the weeks go by. Uh, no one better to uh, sum up proceedings at this point for us than Sky Sports' uh, Justin Nelson, um, who was uh, commentating over the weekend. Justin, good morning to you. No one has uh, ever come back from 0-3 um, and, and um, won it uh, in terms of the uh, NBA Conference Finals. Um, I think it might happen here. Uh, what do you reckon? Uh, very good morning to you, Smithy. And I, I think you're right. 
I mean, they head home, uh, Boston, and we know how passionate that crowd is. And they're going to get right behind this team. What an unbelievable finish it was yesterday. Derek White with the inbound. No defender went with him. He just had that open opportunity to get the offensive rebound, put it back in. Moments, literally split seconds before the buzzer sounded. And uh, talk about a roller coaster for Miami fans. I mean, just moments before that, with Jimmy Butler getting to the line and nailing all three shots. They thought they were home. It's just, it's an amazing game, basketball. It has you on the edge of your seat. It certainly does. Uh, yesterday was amazing. I watched it with uh, three sons and a, and a mate, and uh, I wouldn't say any of us are true Boston Celtics fans, but you've got to admire uh, a fact of a side that uh, is 0-3. Uh, 0-3, uh, and, and, I mean, uh, I keep watching this, and I, you know, it continues to um, astonish me, actually, the skills these guys have got under pressure. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, quite often we say in commentary doing the Sellers NBL, you know, even with 30 seconds to go, we, we often talk about the fact that it's a long time in a game of basketball. Believe it or not, things happen in, in minutes of seconds. And we saw that play out yesterday. And, and what a moment for, for Derek White as well. I mean, he's had a, a season where he's been called upon often for, for Boston to go into the starting lineup. He's had time coming off the bench in backup roles and I mean, to have a moment like that as an individual, uh, that's something that he's going to carry with him for a lifetime. And it may just be the, the saving moment of, uh, of Boston's season. Already in these playoffs, uh, Jimmy Butler has uh, scored over 50 points on the road. Not against Boston, but in earlier playoff matches. I just wonder, uh, is it about whether Jimmy Butler can get it done on the road again tomorrow? Or do you think the Celtics will just be all, all round a wee bit too powerful on their home court. Well, I think he's the go-to. There's no doubt about that. And, and Miami are going to need him to have uh, a, another huge game to get the result. It's all about momentum, though, in sport. I mean, it's not just basketball. It's so many different sports out there. When you have momentum, it is so hard. Uh, well, sorry, when you don't have momentum, it's so hard to get it back. It's almost like you've got to fight twice as hard to wrestle that momentum back. And right now based on what we've seen over the last three games, this Celtics team has momentum, and that's going to count uh, for some extra points. Right, um, OK, regardless of who wins tomorrow, um, they're up against the nicely rested Denver Nuggets, who have got the, the player um, of the season, I think, for me anyway. I don't, he didn't win the MVP, but how he didn't, I don't know. Nikola Jokic, who people are saying is uh, perhaps the greatest basketball on the planet right now, how does whoever, Boston or Miami, how do they stop this guy? Well, I think we go back to what you said right at the top there, Smithy. They're going to be well-rested. I mean, right now, everything's falling into place for the Nuggets. They sit, they watch. They don't mind the fact that the Celtics and, you know, the Heat are, are building uh, each other up game after game and going to Game 7. So they are going to be well-rested. They will have done a lot of homework on both of these teams not only during the season, but certainly over the last uh, week as well. So their scouting will be top-notch. They would have had a lot of time to sit there and analyse players and, uh, and match-ups. So right now, the Nuggets start favourite, no question. With regards to the Joker, he is the best. I thought he was the best this season. I don't know that he can be stopped. What they've got to try and limit is the distribution to him because when he's got the ball in hand, you know that something is going to happen every time, whether it's a score or a pass 
we know that he's going to develop something when he's got the ball in his hand. So for me, that's the area that they've got to try and limit. How do they stop the ball getting to him? Rightio, let's uh, get local, Justin, if we can, and uh, look at the sales NBL. Um, and uh, the Tuatara are ominously putting wins together for on the trot now after a relatively s- slow start. Do we give them the favourites tag going forward now? Well, I do because six of their last eight games are going to be at home. Uh, it's probably the thing that nobody has cottoned on to yet. They have done a lot of their damage away from home so far this season. So they've got a dream run into the final six. And for me right now, the Tuatara are the team to beat. Rob Lowe, uh, I think talking about MVP form, I think he is definitely on the local scene in MVP form right now. And then, of course, the experience that surrounds him. Ruben Tarangi was just fantastic again yesterday against the Jets. He looks like he's warming up nicely for the Tall Blacks headed to the World Cup in a couple of months' time. Uh, Jared Weeks, what a season he's had. Cam Glidden out on the wing. And they've got a couple of young guns, Charlie Dalton and Tom Beattie. Haven't they come to life? 18 years of age, those two kids. And they have settled in really nicely uh, into that strong team. So with six home games in the next eight, this is the team to beat. Great road trip for the Bay Hawks. Uh, knocking over uh, the Otago Nuggets, who have now had back-to-back uh, tough losses. Um, and then, of course, uh, dominating uh, the Sharks, the Southland Sharks, 10687. Um, so uh, I'm not sure they're title contenders, but they needed a turn around the Hawks, and that was a tough one to get. Yeah, they absolutely needed it. The Southern Swing isn't easy for any team, and uh, especially taking down the Nuggets first up in a one-point thriller. Remember the Hawks had won one of seven going in to uh, the round, that trip down south. Two desperately needed wins. All of a sudden, they jump back up into the top six. That's how quickly things change in the Sells NBL. They were down and out in ninth, I think it was, heading into the weekend, and then they jump up. So all of a sudden, their season is back on track. Jordan Nartai, great weekend. Ira Lee, fantastic against the Nuggets. And, of course, Hiram Harris doing his thing up and down the court. The big question mark on the Hawks from here, they are the only team yet to win a game at home this season. Games away or wins away count for just as much, but they have to get a couple of wins at home. Uh, The Jets are a good story of uh, the league so far. They lost to the Tuatara 104-98, but uh, they hung pretty tough there. Have have they been a, a good turnaround story for you? They have, but for different reasons. I've actually just been writing an article on this this morning. If you go to a Jets game, what they're doing off the court during the game, as far as entertainment goes with the fans, is unbelievable. What they are delivering to those people in the stands, you've only got to go to a Jets game, the colour, the music, people go in there dressed up, head to toe in green. It is a sight to behold, so I'm really pleased that they're putting the fans first and it's working for them. In patches, they're delivering on the court. I think right now they're the team that hasn't delivered a four-quarter effort. If they can do that over the second half of the season, they're going to rack up more wins. But what I would say is in the years ahead, when they do deliver a big season on court, the off-court fan base is ready to get behind them. They are an unbelievable supporter base. Let's look uh, at uh, our SENZ uh, Nuggets who have had back-to-back uh, losses now. Um, are we a little bit frightened here because they might have peaked too early or you just see this as a bit of a correction? 
Yeah, just a little bit of a correction. I wouldn't be too worried. No Ja'Cory McLaughlin against the Hawks. Don't want to take anything away from the Hawks' one-point win, but if Ja'Cory McLaughlin plays that game, the Nuggets win. The week before was their flat game. That was the flattest I've seen them this season. Flattest I've probably seen them in two seasons, to be fair, and that's going to happen from time to time when you're in a, a grind, when you're going through a long season. So, minor correction, I'm not too worried about the Nuggets. They do have a lot of games coming up on the road, um, almost opposite to the Tuatata. In fact, they've got to get out on the road and, uh, and, and go for a bit of a, a journey up and down the country. Nuggets are certainly going to be there come final six time. Not too worried at the moment. They've got the talent. Last week, Basketball New Zealand announced that the Sales NBL final six would be all held in Auckland at the Trust Arena. There's been a, a little bit of criticism uh, as to not giving someone a home court advantage, um, but uh, whoever, wherever you take it, you're probably going to fall into that situation. Uh, why uh, have they gone again with this move after last year? There was a bit of con, uh, conjecture about it. Yeah, it's a good question and fairly easy answer, to be honest. So the teams themselves elect to play a final six at one venue. This is a decision year after year that's put in front of the teams when they come together at the end of the season. And this is a decision that the teams make. And it is built around two key factors. The first one is travel costs up and down the country, especially in a final series where you literally don't know where you could be in 48 hours' time. So travel costs are a big factor. The league is hell-bent and the teams are hell-bent on retaining a sustainable model. Uh, and then the second factor, which is a key one, is venue availability. These venues in some cities need to be booked a year in advance. You just can't do that at the moment when you're looking at a final series of taking on home games. Uh, literally, you may not know until after the last game of the uh, the regular season, for instance. So two good reasons. I'm a big, big fan of home finals, massive fan. Coming out of the Australian market as a fan, we love getting to see our team on their home venue, home court, home ground, whatever it may be. I think we will get there in time with the Sells NBL. We just need to continue to have a sustainable model, and uh, that comes first for the teams right now. Justin, we're past the halfway point in terms of the round-robin phase of the competition. Would you be able to give us a, a final six at this point? Is it is it easy for you to do that? I think the final six right now won't change. There you go. Uh, may change in order. I think the Tuatata will finish up on top. Maybe the Rams second, Nuggets. I think the Saints will make it. I think the Hawks will make it. I think the Bulls are likely the team that could jump up into maybe uh, second or third, depending on what happens. But for me, the six teams that are currently there will end up being the six teams that make it. Having said that, for the Hawks in particular, I think there's going to be a lot of nervous times over the second half of the season, especially as the Sharks, maybe the Jets, maybe the Giants chase as well. I think the airs are out of it. Sad news um, about the, the car accident involving tall fern uh, Mary Goulding over the weekend. We wish her uh, all the very best. Have you heard any news uh, about Mary? Is there any floated through the system? Yeah, it certainly sent shockwaves through the, the basketball fraternity and especially the tall ferns camp. They've just had a, a squad announced to, to head to Europe to prepare for the Asia Cup. And I can tell you that... Uh, um, talk amongst the Tall Fern squad ha has been one of worry and, and concern. Um, Mary has been in an induced coma for the best part of uh, must be seven to ten days now after that uh, that accident 
in, in Christchurch. Um, the last word I heard is uh, signs are improving. Um, the family is, is certainly very thankful for all of the support out there and the prayers and wishes uh, for Mary. Um, it's a big week coming up for her and, and hopefully uh, the, the doctors and nurses who are doing a terrific job, as they always do, uh, can slowly you know, bring her out of that induced coma. But um, you know, our best wishes and thoughts are with the family for sure. Absolutely, we fully endorse those as well. Uh, and just finally on the subject of uh, women's basketball, it's uh, not too far away now, just over a month to uh, the second season of uh, Tauihi. Um, how are the roster shaping up, do you feel? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Smithy, because there's uh, a number of teams holding cards close to their chest, which I can never understand because these days with basketball, you get online and you can uh, have a look at a player's stats and videos and history and form and all of that sort of stuff in the drop of, you know, drop of a hat. So I don't know why teams hold back. Um, the Queens, have prob- and they're the reigning champs, of course, they've probably been the most productive, announcing players quite regularly. They're putting together another good roster. Uh, the imports coming in, I do know of a fair few around the league, and it looks like we could see probably six players come out of the WNBA system into Toihi this season. So that's really, really exciting for young fans, for basketball fans to get along and see that level of international talent here in New Zealand is quite remarkable. Always great to catch up, uh, Justin. Loving your work on the telly as well. So. Thanks for your time this morning. Can't wait for Game 7 tomorrow and the NBA playoffs, uh, the grand final to begin. Uh, I'm picking the Nuggets, uh, I think, as, as much as anyone else. Cheers, man. Thanks for your time. Great review. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers, mate. All the best. Uh, Justin Nelson there with us. Uh, always uh, makes himself available, which is fantastic for the game. It's 10.17. Uh, right, uh, we've got a panel consisting of uh, Aidan McLaughlin, and I can tell you Aidan McLaughlin was at uh, the Rugby League at McLean Park on Saturday night. And Nigel Yeldon's been to uh, enough sport to have a view on that as well. So uh, we shall uh, chat to both of those guys as part of our panel very shortly. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Nigel Yeldon uh, with us this morning. As I said, uh, been to many, many big sporting occasions. Aidan McLaughlin as well, but not very often uh, here in Napier. They happen in your own backyard, Aidan. So you were fortunate enough to be able to pop uh, across uh, the Clive Bridge to witness what you thought would be a great uh, game of rugby league and a great occasion. And for the most part it was, but for the smaller part, it was ruined. Yeah, good morning to you, Smithy, and good morning to you, Nigel. Um, I'm just, <coughs> frankly angry and frustrated that we're having to talk about things like this on Monday morning when, as you say, we should be talking about a great occasion, um, one of the almost great comebacks, um, and here we are talking about a, a, a small group of mindless idiots who um, have now got the headlines out of all this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I arrived at the ground very early on on Saturday. Nigel would have been proud of me. It was a full three hours early. Um, I made my way around my usual park. And there were people there 90 minutes before the ground opened. They were just waiting outside the ground. They couldn't wait to get in. The doors opened at 6 o'clock and people streamed through, you know. They wanted to get their merchandise. They wanted to get their food. They wanted to get their drinks. They wanted to soak up the atmosphere. And everything was so positive. It really was. And then what happened? We saw what happened. Um, There was kind of, you know, a shake of the head when the first uh, pitch invasion happened. But then as it repeated itself, it became monotonous. 
and it was extremely frustrating and um, yeah, it, it's such a shame that it's taken away from a, an awesome event. And we're hearing um, if the text is uh, absolutely on the money that uh, all they got was a trespass notice, no financial uh, fine, nothing else apart from the fact that you were naughty, um, you're not supposed to be on there, here's a notice, don't do it again. Um, regardless of the ramifications in between like the thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars perhaps of the possibility of them coming back all that money going into the community which sorely needs it Nigel um, I don't suppose you, you saw too much of that Nigel but uh, to be honest you've been I to a lot it. of sport and uh, well you've been to a hell of a lot of sport a truckload of sport you've yeah. pulled a lot of tr uh, top sport it's bloody frustrating yeah. uh, what, I'm, what I'm glad to hear though is I'm here Glad to hear them being referred to by the proper term because there's a lot of stuff floating around. Oh, streakers. They weren't streakers. They were pitch invaders. It was great to hear Cameron George call them that. It was great to hear Tohu Harris talk about that as well. You, you talk about the, the loss of, of revenue possibly for Hawks Bay if events won't come back because of what happened. Let's think about the other thing too. Those pitch invaders directly impacted that game. It had to stop, then restart, stop and restart. The Warriors had a really nice flow on. Now, I'm not saying they're going, we're going to win that game, but what that did was it impacted that particular sporting outcome. Now, come the end of the season, and, and you know we don't know what is going to happen, but could we be looking back on that going, hey, look, the, the impact of the stop-start nature of that second half, um, and, and again, coach and captain spoke to it. Adam Reynolds spoke to it as well from the Broncos side of things. He said, his side didn't react well to it. Well, his side shouldn't have had to react to it because it shouldn't have happened. I'm actually pleased, as odd as it sounds, trying to look for some positive out of this, that it is being referred to in the right way and that the impact on the sport is actually being held up and saying, hey, this had a big impact on that particular game. Because, look, Smitty, right now, how would you react if you know 12 people just sporadically every five minutes started barging into your studio? it would bug the living snot out of you. Well, I think that's what the, all players from both sides were feeling, and I think the majority of the fans were feeling the same because it just took away, and it also had a direct impact, in my opinion, on the outcome of that particular game. Yeah, well, I, I echo uh, both of your thoughts on that. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the, the Holy of Holies, um, uh, somehow managed to, to get uh, and to be a beneficiary of uh, Cameron George's uh, great hospitality in there, and uh, who had a great view of it. And I can tell you right here and now, his his mood changed. He was he was ebullient about the fact that um, you know the lines of people outside were waiting to see his team. He was thrilled to the playing surface. It was an absolute carpet. Um, everything was just, the ground looked absolutely immaculate, and when it was full, it just looked so special. And um, by with about ten minutes to go. You could see visibly his mood change, along with uh, Andrew McFadden, along with the ambassadors who uh, they trucked in um, to, to Hawke's Bay as well. All totally frustrated uh, men and women, I can promise you that. Right, uh, I think we've covered that. Um, let's uh, look at um, Nigel Yeldon. Will Jordan signing till 227. Great news. Yeah, great news, and yet another good get. And when you look at the the players that have been re-signed by New Zealand Rugby, either through to the end of sort of twenty twenty five or beyond, you know, it, it looks like there's a really good, nice core that Scott Robinson is going to be able to build around. 
um, and, and you know, good youth as well. Well, Jordan is not a, a an old man by any stretch of the imagination. There's some really good youth, but there's also good experience in there as well. I think when you look at the the totality of it, though, Smithy, it's going to be quite interesting because where there appears to be like when when you build a rugby team, obviously you're you're nine ten is quite a significant combination, and, and right now that's the only area when I look at where New Zealand probably has got some question marks it'll be a, a big question that Scott Robertson is going to need to answer when he takes over the All Blacks at the start of 2024 obviously they have a full Super Rugby campaign to have a look at there but just in terms of the totality of the signings um, it, it looks as though there's been some very good work being done here by New Zealand Rugby and making sure that there is uh, a very good crop, a good base and a solid spread across the positions as well for Scott Robertson to start his tenure with Super Rugby weekend, uh, over a lot of um, of action I thought was quite intriguing, but I, I've seldom, uh, Aidan, in my lifetime watching rugby, uh, seen an individual um, dominate a game such as uh, Mark Talia did every single time he was involved in play. He was, and I mean, in very difficult uh, conditions for, for, a, for an outside back, weren't they, Smithy? But... Um, yeah, I mean, he's been showing now for a couple of seasons just the, the quality that he possesses, and he's obviously made his, his all-black breakthrough as well. But um, uh, I thought it was a really entertaining weekend of Super Rugby, to be honest with you. It was um, points everywhere, wasn't there? And that, that game between the, the Drua and uh, Moana Pacifica, what, a, what an absolute barnstormer that was. But, um, yeah, across the board, Mark Talea, a great example of uh, someone who's in, in good form. Um, but, yeah, just a, just a really enjoyable weekend, full stop of Super Rugby. Yeah, I think it's undeniable as form. We'll come back and get your um, impressions too on uh, Super Rugby, uh, Nigel, after we take a short news break here with Aroha, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, Nigel Yeldon with us this morning. Aidan McLaughlin as well. And uh, Nigel Yeldon, before we get on to uh, the netball, which was thrilling as well, um, I think quite a good advertisement for Super Rugby over the weekend. We've been a bit critical of uh, stop-start nature, etc., but uh, plenty of points, plenty of action, and I think a, a, a nice feel about it. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I thought there was some really nice rugby played. I, I think also as well from, you know, uh, we're heading to see teams who sort of got themselves sort of into good positions and then had to dig themselves out. Like, you look at the Crusaders, that was a dominant one over the Waratahs, but with about five minutes to go, their, their bonus point got taken away from them, but they were able to come down, gather themselves, get another try to make sure that they earned that particular bonus point, which are, and bonus points are going to be very key when you look at you know, a little bit of the upshot, more so down the bottom of the Super Rugby table for this coming weekend's action. But, you know, we saw was it, four tries in the last nine minutes in, in Auckland where it looked as though the Blues had it in, in the bag. Try Hurricanes, Blues struck back. Hurricane struck again. We thought, here comes a grandstand finish. But there, there's a few things I'm sure the coaches will be looking at. You know, base skill execution. When you do score, make sure you regather. You know, win the restart. Don't make simple errors so so uh, um, so soon after. I'm sure, Clark Dermot will be just looking at some basic skill execution, which threatened to undermine his team, who defended outstandingly, and that's what kept them in that game. And then. Look, I don't have to tell you, Smithy and Aiden, about how good Flaupakatava is. If you give him a little bit of a sniff, he'll, he'll take it. Wonderful way to, to end that particular game. But, you know, highly entertaining, and you're right. The, the, the competition needs it. It sets up a cracking final round in terms of 
uh, top four, but more so, who, who takes those bottom two spots? Um, so good little bit of excitement, needed bit of juice heading into the final week of the regular season. Rightio, uh, let's get on to um, the netball, Nigel. Um, we'll stay with you because mm. we're going to have a, a, a northern final. Um, and, uh, of course, um, Yvette uh, McCausland-Dury signs off um, on a very brave performance and a pretty good tenure, I, I think, down there in the capital. Uh, what did you make of uh, that performance of uh, Yvette, of course, as well, and and the prospects coming uh, this weekend? Well, one, Yvette McCausland-Dury is just absolute class on the court, off the court, in the interactions. She's got a, a very challenging new role coming up uh, with regards to the education system, but um, just what, what a wonderful choice uh, for her, um, and she will be magnificent in that particular role as well. Yeah, look, very impressive. She's uh, a wonderful coach. You get to see it, you get to hear it with the way that it's covered via Sky Sport. Um, but uh, what I like about her is her calm. She is very real. Um, there's, there's no ears and graces about her. Um, and uh, look, I'm disappointed because... Personally, I thought a Mystics Pulse final has a little bit more intrigue for me. I, I think that a Kelly Jury has, you know, is the best defender in New Zealand, goalkeeper in New Zealand at the moment. So to match her up against Grayson Wiki, I think that that would have been a nice little battle. I think the Stars can push the Mystics, um, and, and they deserve to be there. Great little push in that third quarter, which they they got their nose in front, and the, and the Stars are a really good front-running side, Smithy. I just have a funny feeling, though, that that Mystics have just got a little something extra on the stars, and I think the Pulse would have been a better matchup. But look, it's as you say, it's an all Auckland matchup, and where else do you want to play that button, Hamilton? Yeah, exactly. What uh, hope the home court advantage when we were talking about uh, that? But uh, anyway, um, it's interesting. I was just talking to Justin Nelson about it in terms of uh, the sales NBL. Um, all top six, uh, all the playoffs will be at one venue. Um, uh, Aiden, which I, I think we've got to at some point um, address. I know it's a financial thing, but um, when you look at the NBA, when you look at this, uh, the benefit of having a home court, you think to yourself, well, what do we actually play for here? A neutral venue? Um, after all our, you know, uh, all our good play to, to finish top in the round robin or close to top, uh, all we get is a trip away? Yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, I can see from a, from a supporter's uh, point of view, there's nothing more I'd like than to <coughs> be able to book a weekend away um, and the knowledge that uh, the Hawks were going to be in a final series. Um, but the reality is well, I just can't do that, you know, and my family can't do that. So um, when that sort of uh, format is in place, it does make it quite restrictive for, for many, many supporters. I do understand the league's logic at the moment. You know, the league is growing. It's growing very nicely. Um, and they need a bit of just a period of, just, you know, just to keep things ticking over. And I like to think in the, in the next few years, maybe we can move past that model and we can look at um, a home advantage uh, series. But, um, but I think that the reality is that the cost of travel at the moment, um, the way that the league just has to manage their expenses and the clubs have to manage their expenses, it's just the way it is. And we just have to, we just have to acknowledge that. But um, hopefully it changes in years to come. Well, speaking of away play... Yeah, yes. Yes, go Nigel. It has been this way for a while. The, the NBL has done a top four, or in this case it's now a top six format, at the one venue. 
this isn't something which they haven't just sprung upon the league. This is something. Do you remember watching this in the late 80s, early 80s as well? You had semi-finals on a Friday night, final on a Saturday night. It, it's not something that's been sprung on the league. I, I thought it was a little bit of their tradition. Um, yeah, I understand the home and away side of it, but um, I also kind of like the tradition of getting them all in one place. And, and I know it makes for an outstanding, mm. an outstanding sort of three, four days worth of basketball. So. You know, maybe they do move away from it, but I kind of like the tradition that, that the NBL has got with the playoff format and having it at the one location. So, um, you happy with the netball, the two Auckland teams playing in uh, Hamilton at Glowbox? Look, they've done, again, they've done the same thing. They have set up the fact that that was where the grand final was going to be. Um, with the way the magic started, there was always a, a, a highly unlikely possibility of the home side being there. Again, you've got to set it, you've got to be able to get your venues, and I think that's really, Smithy, what a lot of this comes down to, is you've got to get your venue locked in so far in advance, um, and I think that's something facing a lot of organisations. You know, Spark was out of the mix, that's why the NBL has moved out to the Trust Stadium. Um, so look, there, there's lots of factors involved. Look, is it perfect? No, of course it's not. But netball fans, again, have had time to be able to set the same way with basketball fans. They can set their travel plans if they want to. And look, even if your team doesn't make it, I know for a fact it's still going to be an outstanding weekend in Hamilton for the netball and definitely up in Auckland for those basketball finals. Right, I can tell you in the latest PGA event, it has been won by... Emiliano Grillo from uh, Argentina and a playoff um, over Adam Schenk. Uh, the good news for New Zealand golf fans, of course, is that uh, Ryan Fox had uh, a finish where he uh, tied 21, Aidan McLaughlin. A nice little check, but uh, also more experience, and he's knocking on the door. More experience, more ranking points, Smithy. Another good, consistent week for him. Um, I think he was plus two today. Uh, which, as you say, got him just outside the top 20. So, you know, another shot or two better off today, and he's he's comfortably in that top 20, pushing for a top 10 spot. So his game's in good shape. He, You know, he's struggled with his health recently, um, had a new arrival into the family. So when you build all those things in, he's in a fine vein of form. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're not even halfway through the year. We're barely halfway through the year. And just a lot of exciting opportunities coming up for him. Um, he's really establishing himself in the world of majors now. Um, it's not uh, it's not a treat to see him in a major now. It's a, it's an expectation, and um, I'm just really excited about what the rest of the year holds for him. Really good story, this Nigel, the the, the Ryan Fox one. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great story, and you know he's taking his opportunities, um, qualifying for those majors now. He's got that um, exemption to the PGA Tour. And it, it, it's the consistency, as, as you've alluded to there. So, you know, top 25 Masters, I think just outside top 25 PGA, it's the two, two majors. Now he comes here, top 21, uh, inside again, top 25 on a, on a PGA Tour event. He had good results leading in. So he's right on the edge, and as Aiden alludes to, you know, a couple of, you know, shooting sort of under par on the final day, and all of a sudden he's up, we're talking top 15, top 10. By the way, can we can we also just get a bit of love for young Daniel Hillier, the 24-year-old out of Wellington, tied for fifth at the KLM Open on the DP World Tour. Nice little bank. He earns about 120,000 New Zealand. More importantly, Smithy, he jumps from about 140-odd in the, the money list up to just outside the top 100. So a big boost 
to Daniel's chances of trying to keep his card. Of course, this is his rookie year, but he's another wonderful talent. And this is what I'm loving about New Zealand Golf Smithy at the moment. As you look at the tours, you've got Lydia on the LPGA, Steve Elker on the seniors, Dan Hillier, you know, trying to, trying to get his thing going on the DP World Tour. We know Ryan also plays there too, but currently he's doing work on the PGA Tour. New Zealand Golf's in a really good spot at the moment at the top level, and you know as well, Smee, there's some really good young talent coming through sort of the amateur ranks as well. I think it's uh, terrific. I really do. Um, and as you say, um, we've, we've got contenders every time they line up. Um, yeah. Thank you, Nigel, for your input this morning and uh, your honesty over the, the invading situation. As to you, uh, Aidan, I hope uh, you can get on with business as a Hawke's Bay resident uh, over the next uh, few days and we can get it out of our system. But unfortunately, I think in terms of the future... Uh, they've damned it. It's as simple as that. It's 10 for for 10.43 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, time to uh, get some texts uh, read out from the Temper Bedpost text machine. Um, Kevin from Titarangi has come in and said, uh, good morning, Smithy, TAB takeover. I personally think it's fabulous. Moving forward, let's be honest, the TAB was becoming a Titanic with no life rafts, in my opinion. I can't see how some of the outlets will continue under the new regime. Uh, take away the pokies and 80% of the outlets will become no unprofitable and not rocket science. Also, the pokies came under the TAB contract. Where will the new owners benefit from those dollars? Nothing in it for them, apparently. Online betting is the way to go now and the future, and if some outlets do stay, bring in a minimum of a $5 bet. Your till isn't going to fill with a dollar each way in race 8 at Darwin. Uh, thank you, Kevin, for that. Um, on another part of uh, racing, Dean from New Plymouth has come in and said the state of New Zealand tracks is a real concern after the debacle at Hawke's Bay during the week when on a beautiful sunny day, uh, they were canned after race one when two horses slipped going out of the straight. Uh, the track at Trentham was atrocious and Pukekohe not much better. Punters and the horses are on a hiding to nothing yet. Uh, punting's pretty tough at this time of the year, to be uh, really honest. Although uh, one man will think it's uh, pretty damn special, uh, Kevin Myers. He loves this time of the year. He dominates it, absolutely dominates it. So there you go. Um, also, uh, let's uh, read out from Sam. Nice um, text here from Sam. Uh, I was there on Saturday night, and I have to say I left pretty disappointed. Not just at the result and how badly we played, but I thought the crowd was very quiet. Maybe that was a reflection of how flat we were, and maybe if we scored earlier, it would have been different. When the biggest cheers of the night uh, was for the idiots running on the field, uh, you have to wonder what was uh, people were really there for. As a Warriors fan, you must question why they should take games around New Zealand. We have such a faithful crowd at Mount Smart that are always full of voice and well-behaved. Our record outside of Auckland is shocking. The idiots that ran onto the field uh, not only ruined Napier's chances of ever having a game again, but also cost us two points, which could be crucial at the end of the season. We had the momentum in the second half and the stops gave Brisbane the time to catch their breath and regroup. It was amazing to see Hawks Bay buzzing and so many people there, but I can't see it happening again there anytime soon. Tohu must have been gutted, uh, Sam. Uh, and you bring up a good point there. Tohu Harris, who'd spoken prior to 
um, the team's arrival and on their arrival here in Hawke's Bay of how much he was looking forward to bringing his teammates to his backyard. What a homecoming it was going to be uh, for him and his very proud whānau um, to captain them, to lead them out there onto that stadium, which was absolutely buzzing uh, before kickoff. A, a great uh, ceremony to start it off, and all of a sudden um, you get to this situation. And I go back, uh, I mean, they're clearly nutters. They're clearly absolute fools, these people. And if you work with them or go to school with one of them or you're related to one of them, uh, I feel sorry for you. I, I really do feel sorry for you. And um, I'd snub them. I'd snub them for a long period of time because they've got to get the message. They probably think they're quite clever, still quite clever. They didn't get fined. They got a trespass notice. Now, they'll be back next time if there is a next time. And they'll probably do the same thing because the crowd get behind them. People in the crowd get behind them and they say, uh, they make them out to be heroes. That's why they keep going. That's why they keep going. If they got, if they got the first one, got them absolutely nailed, or she and there were women involved, nailed them first time around and the crowd gave it to them in the other fashion or gave them complete and utter silence, uh, that would be a detracting factor. But no, 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 let's, let's, let's absolutely get on their backs and say how much fun and how enjoyable it is. You're foolish in your own right if you believe that. It's 10.52. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, we've got uh, Vossi after the break, of course, uh, to talk the NRL, but we've got Tapo Moati from the TAB. Um, and Paul, good morning to you. Relatively quiet Monday. Uh, where was out of the TAB finish up after the weekend? Warriors getting beaten, and they were heavy favourites. Yeah, they were, and they were very well supported by punters as well. So um, oh, the baby Broncos uh, helped us out uh, quite a bit, to be fair. Um, the Boston Celtics, though, um, they were um, very popular as well in Game 6 uh, yesterday, and that uh, buzzer beater, that winner, um, forces a Game 7, which is on tomorrow. Punters are already backing the Celtics in that uh, game. They're $1.30 favourites. They're very, very warm to win this. They've got all the momentum going with them, so very, very hard for the Heat to come back from that heartbreak loss yesterday. And, of course, the French Open uh, has started. Uh, men's and women's. Uh, just having a look at one of the matches now. Uh, Yelena Ostapenko. She's a former French Open champion. She's taking on Teresa Mankova. Um, look, I, I think Ostapenko might just be a wee bit too good. She loves clay. Um, she's come off a very good tournament in Rome. Uh, she's beat a number of top-ranked players there. Uh, and she's taken on uh, Martikova, who just isn't it doesn't have her best to be fair on clay and uh, also struggles in these big tournaments so Ostapenko minus six and a half at around the two dollar mark that looks like a very very nice bet for me uh, on the men's side uh, it looks like um, the Spaniard has been very very well back the favorite uh, in the outright book uh, he has been very very well back Carlos Alcaraz who's around the two dollar forty mark uh, he's the best back so far in AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Yep.
Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Johnson, he's going left-hand side. He doesn't kick. Metcalf, out the wide to Pompey. Pompey gets away from one. Montoya, he's going for the corner. Montoya! A few moments later. No, 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 Jared. No, Jared. Interference on a defender. Oh no! Do not this. Do not rob the NRL of this moment. is held out of being able to make a tackle. You're kidding if you give this. Oh, and, it, and it's come up as a no try. It has come up as a no try. It's a penalty, mate. Pulling out. Twelve seconds later. It was a fairy tale, perhaps too good to be true. Some fairy tales don't come true. Uh, our lads there, uh, Sam and Kempi, with their thoughts um, on SENZ. The try was allowed. The Warriors, the Broncos would have been level with Sean Johnson kicking it to win from the sideline. But instead, the baby Broncos, as they've been dubbed, won 26-22 after it was found that Adam Pompey impeded a defender by pulling on his jersey. Um, when I say I'm not over it, um, I listened to the words of uh, Andrew Webster and uh, he weren't complaining and uh, neither were Cameron George and uh, Andrew McFadden. I was standing alongside them watching the tally and uh, both of them shook their heads and said, uh, <coughs> can't give that. So uh, we to talk about that with uh, our man um, in Sydney this morning. Luckily he wasn't in Melbourne. Apparently they had an earthquake this morning. Uh, morning to you, Andrew Voss. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Can you imagine, just imagine, though, if the call was a 50-50 call? In light of, you know, some of the outrage uh, recently, can you imagine the Warriors getting dudded at the death? I'm sort of, while I'm not happy for any team to you know, come so close, and the call was just fantastic, that's great theatre, but I'm sort of happy that it was a clear-cut decision that decided the game and um, and everyone on the same page saying, yeah, they had to, they had to disallow it. But, um, yeah, hearts broken a little. Mind you, did they deserve to win? I'll be fair dinking with you, Ian. No, they didn't. Um, but no. that would have been quite extraordinary in the uh, in the history books to score three times in the last five minutes to win a game. Yeah, it would have been tantamount to uh, the comeback against uh, the Sharks earlier in the season, but... I think you're right on reflection. I think you're right. And uh, let's not forget, um, before we get to the other issue, which is bloody awful, um, the performance of uh, um, Reynolds and co. Um, Tristan Saylor on debut at the back played like a veteran. I I thought the the Broncos, very, very admirable performance. Oh, Smithy, look, they have, like, they'd only won one of their last four. They've played really well, to be be quite honest. They've, They've played some... They've played all the big teams lately and have played well, just haven't come out the other side. Um, and I got, the value of Adam Reynolds was certainly um, brought home again last night. While Shorten Johnson's been fantastic for the Warriors this year, Adam Reynolds is the absolute um, calming influence, a real captain for that Brisbane side. You say baby Broncos. Well, baby Broncos with a, with a grandfather on board. Like <laughs> Adam Reynolds is very much the, the veteran. He's been a wonderful signing for that club. He really has. Um, and, and these goal-kicking, of course, was very important again um, the other night as well. So he, um, he brings plenty to the side, Adam Reynolds. 
It might have been a marginal forward pass uh, with Jordan Ricky's try. They didn't look at it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's all of that. I, I, I sort of probably 30 years ago stopped blowing up about forward passes um, just because they've been happening since 1908. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There was 80 minutes at the disposal of the two sides uh, to win the game, and the Warriors left it way too late to make that um, to make that run. So that was part of it. Um, and, and how will the Warriors view it? Well, you know, you'd like to think for for um, what they're doing, promoting the game and taking it to Napier, it'd be great to win at all those places. But I think it just shows where the Warriors are at. When they have had a very good season so far. There's no question of that. Um, they've they've brought resilience. They are in every game they play. But I think the big take from the other night is there is still a long way to go. Um, so turning you know good solid resilient performances into victories on a consistent basis uh, remains the um, the assignment for the Warriors. And in such a such a tight competition table, if you can win all your tight matches, like look at it. I mean, it's not out of the question that the Warriors could be equal top of the table. They're, they're, they're sitting four points adrift of um, the likes of Penrith, the Sharks, the Broncos and the Storm on the top. But yeah, that's how tight the ladder is. We've got one win separating the top seven teams at the moment. So the Warriors are just outside that. Um, so you've got to win all those close games, and, and that will take you a long way down the track towards playing finals football. A lot of um, speculation uh, about the return of uh, Luke Metcalf. He had a, a wonderful pre-season and then got injured during the course of that. Uh, the combination with he and Sean Johnson, uh, it looked uh, like it was probably their first team, first time playing together. Yeah, look, I'll say this about Luke Metcalf, um, and... And the first time he stood up, like we'd all we all sort of knew about him, we'd seen him in lower grades, but it's going back pre-COVID, isn't it? Um, the uh, the Perth Nines was where we saw Luke Metcalf and went, wow, he's a talent. Uh, he is a rookie, even though he's been on the scene for a while, he's a rookie. So I think you've got to give him some allowance and some time to find his place in first grade. You know, maybe we're addressing it, you know, a little more seriously, ten games down the track. He's a he's a he's a player of great talent. He's got speed. Um, combination will come. I'd be prepared to invest some time. I think he was a pretty shrewd purchase by the Warriors, um, and we saw a glimpse of that in the preseason. So, no, I'm, I'm sticking with Luke Metcalf in terms of um, he will have something to offer the Warriors. Right. Well, on your side, we've been giving it to um, the idiots that invaded the field here in Napier um, uh, throughout our breakfast show and uh, during our show this morning. So, Oh, I just look. It's appalling. It's 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 damned appalling. We know that. Um, it's probably cost us any chance of having a, a an NRL game back here for a long period of time. And God, we needed it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it didn't go down well here. I would imagine over there, it's been massively frowned upon. You do crowd behaviour so much better. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We have the the odd come. We don't normally have like the avalanche of um of people just all running and trying to outdo each other. And and in 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 this case, I do feel sorry for the security guards. And and this is a discussion we've had because we had a um, what a player got on the field a few weeks ago end up hugging Zach Lomax. What was it? The Antic Day game even. And the security guard dropped something. He didn't even get to like the 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 the, the pitch invader was allowed to actually touch a player get to contact like how does that happen and and we were critical of the security guards how slow were they to react but in this case i feel sorry for the security guards because the the charter with their job is they are allowed to use 
reasonable force to restrain someone pitch invader. They're not to know are they just coming on for a laugh or not. They've got to treat them all the same. So, and and the other night they're confronted with women running on the field. What you have to smash them? Oh, like that's that's an awful position to be placed in for the security guard. So I, I think yeah, you know, I don't know what your penalties are there. We've got this crazy situation over here, Ian, with with multiple NRL venues, but it's only at the big stadiums where the big fines are in place. So if you jump the fence at, let's say, Allianz Stadium, you know, home ground of the Roosters, you're looking at a, I think it's a $5,000 fine. If you jump the fence down at Cronulla, I think the fine's only like $500. It's under, like, council regulations because of the ground. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, it should, it should be double that at all venues. If you're jumping the fence and invading an elite sport um, and, and interfering with play and, and who's to know what your intentions are, then the fine should be the same at the very least. I watched the build-up yesterday for the Newcastle Knights and the, the Sea Eagles, and during the build-up they had um, a lovely little um, comment on, on camera uh, from Corey Haravira uh, Naira uh, about uh, his uh, seizure and about uh, his, no, his tw- last 24 hours. Um, he said there's still work to be done. Um, so it's only early in the fight back here. Um, what are you hearing about this situation? Yeah, only in the last half hour, uh, Smithy, on my breakfast program over here in Australia, we spoke with the Canberra Raiders media manager, Ben Pollock, who does a terrific job, and he's been in con- constant contact with Corey, and he was sort of the... Um, pushing for the fact that Corey, you post a video and they put that all together yesterday. And part of that discussion is they're none the wiser as to why it happened. Um, but the fact was he, he was taken to hospital for the checks. He was already sitting up in the dressing room before he was taken to hospital and talking. Um, uh, Don Ferner, the Raiders CEO, knew that Corey's sister was in the crowd. And he, he went and got the sister and, and brought her down to the dressing room to have family there for Corey. And he was released from hospital at 3.30 in the morning yesterday, not to travel back to Canberra, but to stay with um, family in Sydney. And he's since made his way back to Canberra. We were saying to Ben, it's like, while you don't want to discover something of a, of a, of a serious nature, I don't think you'd like to be in a situation left hanging as to not knowing why this happened. So obviously there's more tests to be done, but it's, it's quite a mystery. Um, we're not at liberty to know, and I'm not saying either way, whether he's got any history of seizures at all. I mean, that is Corey's business, but we're not aware that that is the case. Um, it doesn't appear that there was a, a, you know, a significant head knock of any kind. It was a regulation hit up and he collapsed 30 seconds after that. Um, so if it was me and I'm sure Smithy, you'd feel this, you'd like to know, wouldn't you? You'd like to know why it happened. Um, and there'll be no rush to get Corey back onto the field. I think they'll, you know, it'll, they'll go through whatever tests have to be done. But at this stage, there is no conclusion or, or no definitive reason as to why what happened on Saturday night, Saturday night took place. And we all held our breath. Everyone watching, everyone at the ground, teammates, medical staff. Um, yeah, thankfully, we're, we're talking about Corey and things are OK at the moment. Um, could have been a lot worse. Yeah, um, our thoughts with him, absolutely with him. But... Uh... Yeah, not a good sight. Not a good sight at all. Um, on the playing side of things, perhaps the performance of the weekend goes to uh, Ricky Stewart's Raiders? Oh, I think so. And I think in with that injury too, that was another thing. So it wasn't until right on full time they rushed around and told the players, Corey's OK, Corey's OK. But 
to pull yourself together after that. I mean, I think all players were on shock. I think the South Sydney players were in shock as well and the way they reacted and formed a shield around Corey. Um, so for Canberra to pull themselves together and uh, come up with a win, that was a, a you know a plenty of ticker in that. Um, to score 33 points against the Rabbitohs is, is quite a feat. Their defence has been pretty solid for most of the year. So, no, good performance again by Canberra, accumulating points. Uh, one of those teams just two points off the top bracket of sides in the competition. Well, Vossi, State of 01 this Wednesday. A lot of talk about uh, the evenness of the squads. A lot of talk about um, the choice uh, Billy Slater made in his very own jersey for Reese Walsh. Uh, what are you thinking as the the night gets closer? Well, what am I thinking? I'm thinking that um, this game being played in Adelaide is an absolute toss of the coin. I, I really do. I, I'm torn. I, I sort of, going into the series, I thought Queensland, Tom Trevojevic's game last Sunday week sort of threw a spanner into the works. And I, and I look at a back line of Mitchell and Trevojevic in the setters and Tedesco at fullback, albeit his form hasn't been great this year at club level. But I'm thinking... There's more points in New South Wales, potentially, um, was what I thought. But uh, I go across the whole 17. Like, I look at the entire 17, and, and really, Smithy, I don't think there's much between them. Um, so, look, I, I think one scoring play, the difference on Wednesday, is it going to be a field goal? Is it going to be a try? Is it going to be a you know, misconversion that proves costly? I, I think we're in for a thriller to open the series in Adelaide. Um, that we may not have the full house, which is a bit disappointing. Um, they'd sold um, just over 40,000 tickets last Friday. It's a 51,000 capacity. Um, but Origin's Origin. Look, even if they're playing in front of an empty stand, I think they're going to turn on a show. I think this will be. I think this will be a thriller. I think we go to the last five or ten without knowing the winner, um, and I'm going to lock in New South Wales by two. Right. So if I've if I and New South Wales by two. Um, okay, that's interesting, um, and that'll mean they're celebrating their new jersey colour uh, with a win. What do you make of that? Yeah, look, I'm very much in the sky blue camp. I can't believe we're doing it. Now, people are saying, well, why weren't you outraged back in 2019 when they wore it over in Perth? Well, I don't think we were aware. That sort of crept up on us, that one. But this time, we're awfully aware since the first day of photos. We said, oh, he's wearing a training shirt, isn't he? And then they said, no, no, that's what we'll wear. I think it's ludicrous to say that we need an alternate strip for State of Origin, that it's an away strip. Well, hang on a second. Every time they play in Brisbane, then it's an away game, if that's how you're going to treat it. So, no, I, I think I'm a stickler for tradition in this case. Queensland wear maroon. New South Wales wear sky blue. That's what they were wearing game one in 1980. That's what they, they should be wearing 43 years on. It's that simple. Marketing people, stick it in your pipe and smoke it. Let's just go with a one jersey. That's what we want people to aspire to. Kids to wear the sky blue of New South Wales to one day play for, for boys and girls um, with the NRLW origin these days as well. Um, it should be the sky blue. You wear it as a kid, you, you buy it as a fan, and one day you maybe wear it representing your state. How's Brandy feeling? That's the, that's the crunch question. <laughs> well, he's moved on. He, he said, no, you're just getting outraged for the case of being outraged, but there's... But but I am outraged. And when people like Gary Jack, great New South Wales fullback, he says, "No, that's you know, it's forty three years of tradition. You wear the sky blue. That's the jersey, and that's the colour you want to have your name on the back." But Brandy sort of dismissed it. He doesn't want any dramas. Brandy's in a chillax mood, going to Origin number three. He's not letting anything upset him. Payne Haas ankle the other day off training. It's fine. He's okay. 
Um, so, so Brandy's ready to go. In fact, if there's any late injuries, Brandy, you could probably get five minutes out of him. Freddie could throw him on at halfback for the last five. He'd be right. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Vossi. Um, thanks for your input this morning. Uh, yeah, honest thoughts. Um, and um, we've got to do some uh, some cleaning up over here. There's no doubt about it. But um, the Warriors are still inside the top eight. That's the good news. And uh, if we'd have thought of that at the end of last season, we'd have been joking, and uh, now we're not. So that's the cool side of it, Vossi. Uh, enjoy State of 01, and we'll catch you uh, later next week, hopefully. Thanks. And the Fox to score the first try, Smithy. Welcome back to Origin. Josh out of car, he'll score the first try. So enjoy the week, everyone. Cheers. Uh, we'll have a little wager on that as well, and uh, we'll look at that closer to the time. 11.18, now Andrew Voss with us there uh, out of Sydney, which he kindly does every Monday around about this time. Uh, yep, uh, we're going to have a stump smithy. Uh, yes, I think we will. We'll have a slightly early one. Um, in fact, so uh, here's an opportunity. 0800 150811. 0800 And uh, get on the lines now. Brian is in the chair. Logan will be quizmaster this morning. And uh, we'll see if we can give you uh, a $50 bonus bet to start your week here on SENZ. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Sorry about the delay there. This is what happens, Smithy, uh, when you don't do a show uh, since May 11th. But I'm back on deck. We're back on air. How are you doing? I'm good, very good, yep, uh, we apologise for a little inconvenience there, but we can report there were no studio invaders, as we were on Saturday night, so uh, the guys are safe and well, and it was just a technical issue that we've sorted through, but uh, what it doesn't mean is that we're going to miss out on Stump by Smithy, because we're going to play it now. Um, so we have got uh, two contenders um, waiting on the line, first up this morning, um, with his opportunity is who? Hello, Logan? Uh, Ants from Green Bay, come in, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. I'll uh, I'll give you the categories and we'll rip straight into it, shall we? Uh, football, soccer, football, boxing, football, football. Or oh, you just gonna go straight for football? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Smart man. Play to your strengths. All right. First question for your ants. On the 20th of July, 2023, at 7pm, the Football Ferns get their FIFA Women's World Cup campaign underway. Who will they play in their opener? Ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, I'll probably say USA. It's a big gift. <laughs> One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's actually quite fitting there from you, Richie Benno Smithy. Over to you. Yeah, right, Ants. Well, uh, we've been doing quite a lot of coverage of this and we will continue to, to do so in the lead-up to their first match of the tournament, which I believe is against Norway. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, well done, Smithy. Back to the pavilion for you, Ants, but definitely call again to play Stumped. Love to have you on. Next at the crease, Carry from Manawatu. We know how you do in Stump, mate, so we'll just get into it. The topics are bus, uh, football. Sorry, uh, How many goals did record-setting Man City striker Erlen Haaland score in the EPL this season? Um, I'm going to go 30. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Let's go, Smithy. Broke a record, I think, from uh, Andy Cole, who uh, from Manchester United, who scored his in two more games. I think it's 36. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 
Yeah, nicely done. Very short-lived stay at the crease there, Carrie from the Man Number Two. Unlucky Ed from Tolaga Bay, my man. All right, last question. Fifty-dollar TAB bonus. We are for grabs here. The category is football. Who is current captain and likely leader of the football ferns for the FIFA Women's World Cup in New Zealand and Australia? Ellie. No, I've lost it. It was Ellie somebody. Sorry, bro. Oh, we've got an edge, but it's going through to the keeper. One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Um, I think this might be... Um, uh, is it Ali Riley? Ali Riley to captain the New Zealand team. Is it Ali Riley? Smithy, just call me your good luck charm, mate. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, that is right, Ali Riley. 144 matches to her name, Smithy. Well done, so we jackpot tomorrow. Fantastic. Uh, sorry about that, Sorry about that, Ed. Not your uh, area of expertise. I know you would have liked the rugby side of things, but um, I, um, <clears throat> I just got lucky there because uh, they're very topical subjects, and uh, we know uh, pretty much uh, all about them because we've been giving it our fullest extent over the last... A uh, few weeks, particularly Erling Haaland, uh, 36 goals. Couldn't get one this morning, though. Did not get one this morning. And we'll talk uh, to um, our very own Daniel McCarty after uh, 11.30 this morning. And does a lot of commentary here on SENZ, a lot of shifts as well. Is all over the EPL and what's happening in the football world. So we'll talk to Daniel after the news here with uh, Aroha um, <coughs> on the outcome of the last day of action over there in the UK. The SNZ app. That's an from Garnagay. He wants the full time whistle. And there it goes. It is survival secure for Everton. Heroes in blue again. Out to Lighter Corre's goal. What a final day success for Everton. Congratulations, Sean. You did it. Put into words what that means to you and to this football club. Well, obviously, it means a lot. Um, means a lot to me to go over what they call a broken club. It's not broken. It's had its cracks, but it's not broken. We've shown that. We've shown the fighting spirit that you need. But equally, I've just told the players, it shouldn't be in this state. So we've got to learn from that. Next season's going to be a big season. But, you know, myths to it all. A magic day, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be in this shape. Yes, that was their um, appointed manager, uh, Sean Dyche, uh, for Everton, um, with a very honest assessment of where they're at. They will be celebrating. It's Monday morning here, of course, New Zealand time. But over there, for them in particular, it became a survival Sunday. And the final match day of the Premier League season, all matches kicked off at 3.30 New Zealand time. It's a great concept, that. Making for spectacular sporting theatre. Everton desperately fighting their way through with a 1-0-1, while Leicester, seven years removed uh, from winning it all, are now packing their bags for the championship division. Uh, joining us now uh, here is uh, SENZ football commentator, host of the Saturday Sesh 2, uh, Daniel McCarty. Uh, how are the heartbeat levels for you, Daniel, after what was a thrilling overnight? I don't know what's wrong with me, Smithy. Good morning to you and to everyone. I, I just love these days. The jeopardy involved um, yeah, and the oddity of how excited I get 
at seeing a side slip out of the, the top level. You know, they, these are places 17th, 18th and 19th we're worried about, Smithy. Uh, 17th, 18th, 19th, I'll repeat it. But, uh, you know, Survival Sunday, as you, as you rightly called it, it was just utterly enthralling, um, exhilarating, and, and for many fans, utterly excruciating. It was, for many fans, in particular Leicester City fans who did their darndest. Uh, they beat West Ham 2-1, um, but they had to sit and wait, and in the end it became forlorn. So Leicester down. Yeah, from champions to championships in just seven short years, the miracle of 2016, we're never going to forget. They were the darlings of world sport, the 5,000-1 to Cinderella story that won the EPL title in our hearts, but... Since then, they've been a pretty consistent outfit. Lots of European nights, thanks to consistently finishing inside the top 10 in European places. They won an FA Cup. But this year, uh, it really has collapsed. They are the poster child for that old line, too good to go down. There's so much quality in that squad, but for one reason and another, um, you know, departures, maybe not enough investment, uh, they have gone down. Um, they under sort of mine themselves throughout the season with errors uh, and a lack of effort. It wasn't the case today. The quality really did show through in that first half against West Ham. And at the halfway stage, Smithy, all was rosy for Leicester. They were leading 1-0 thanks to a great goal by Harvey Barnes. Finally, that front three sort of clicked nicely. And with uh, Everton and Bournemouth uh, locked up a nil all at the half, at that stage, it looked like Leicester were going to avoid uh, the drop. But once uh, Decore's goal... Uh, went in at Goodison, and what a screaming effort that one was. I'm sure that could have picked up a speeding ticket. He absolutely clubbed it at the top of the D. But from then on, it was out of Leicester's hands again. And you had that very strange sort of uh, sight, for those who haven't seen it. Leicester's game finishes early, and the players are huddled around one uh, player's telephone, watching the game um, and and trying to follow uh, the, the, the... uh, the, 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 the closing moments from Goodison Park. Unfortunately, four Leicester didn't fall their way. But there were so many storylines, Smithy. Um, you know, we could pick a path through a lot of them. But even the 10 minutes of uh, stoppage time that Everton fans had to endure. And I, I think, you know, the flailing legs of Idrissa Gay in midfield, you know, Connor Cody throwing himself in front of shots, James Karkowski kicking the ball into Rose Ed. Um, Pickford's great save in the 94th minute Th- those um, uh, are moments and memories and images that are going to live long in these uh, Everton fans minds because they stave off relegation they'll have a 70th consecutive season in the top flight next season Th- this is a founding member of the football league they formed back in 1878 and have spent just all but four years in the top flight it's truly extraordinary but these have been worryingly dark times for Everton and uh, but once again they've avoided the drop they have a magnet uh, in opposite direction from the championship it does seem interesting too for Leeds who paid all sorts of incentives to uh, to stay up uh, <laughs> but I couldn't get it done and honestly uh, Spurs have been that ragged towards the end of the season probably deserve it isn't it uh, they lost 4-1 at home to Spurs um, I mean uh, and they were a pretty dark day up there at Allen Road yeah, yeah. Uh, their all-too-short stay in the English Premier League is over, um, and they deserve it. Thumped today, four goals to one. Smithy, they conceded a goal after 92 seconds to start the game. Then they conceded a goal 80 seconds into the second half. Uh, championship minute stuff, uh, 
that just cannot happen. And then, would you believe, they conceded a goal a minute 47 seconds after another restart, after they'd pegged one back. So they'd shot themselves in both feet and then decided to, to shoot themselves in one of the others. Uh, so they can't have any complaints. Uh, three managers this season, Leeds have had. They've lost seven of their last nine games. Uh, Sam Allardyce, the man who they did throw a lot of money at, but Big Sam has fallen rather flat, just one point in four matches. They've conceded the most goals in the league. And this is just a sign of really poor decisions over the last 12 to 15 months. To go from Marcelo Bielsa and the style of football he had, what, in February when they dismissed him last year, to end up with Sam Allardyce, completely diametrically opposed our characters, is a great illustration of the mixed-up uh, thinking. Uh, not to mention during January when they splashed some cash, bought some players in, Smith, and then what did they do? Go and sack Jesse Marsh one week later, who'd handpicked those players. Uh, yeah, Leeds, Leeds will have to um, reassemble next year. Problem is, last time they went down, Smithy, a truly famous name in English football, spent 16 years out of the top flight. Mm. Rightio, so Leicester down, Leeds down, Southampton uh, quite some time ago. We knew they were destined for uh, demotion. But uh, the good story is uh, for three clubs, up uh, to the big money, which is uh, certainly a big factor in this, Burnley, who we knew a couple of weeks ago, Sheffield United, and overnight to Luton Town. Good story. Oh, Luton Town are the, the, the story of the weekend in a lot of ways. Uh, I know everyone's in love with uh, Wrexham at the moment getting promoted from the National League. Well, Luton has essentially done that just years in advance. They're the first team to go from the National League, so outside the top four divisions, into the Premier League. This is a team on a shoestring budget, played at a, a famous old rickety stadium, Kenilworth Road. People might remember Luton from back in the days, uh, um, but have never, never found their way into the English Premier League since 1992. It's an amazing story. I don't know how they're going to uh, go next season. I think half their team that lined up against Coventry in the playoff final were loanees, so they'll return to their parent club. Uh, you, you had the troubling side of Lockyer, the captain falling over, um, being taken off the field. Uh, you know, so they were playing with heavy hearts, uh, the players, but they showed great resolve to get through, and it really is a, a wonderful story to see. Hold Luton Town uh, back in the top flight. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, great review, mate. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was a fascinating night, a late night for a lot of people, but... Um, as always, some happy, some very, very sad, some uh, distraught, in fact. It means that much to so many people. Uh, cheers, uh, Daniel. We have a terrific week, man. Thank you. Th thanks, Smithy. Just want to say to Grant Elliott and all the other Everton fans, well done on finishing 17th and 53 points behind the championship winners. And scoring less goals than one player and uh, one individual for one club. Yeah, well done, guys. Outstanding. Uh, 11.42, Daniel McCarty with his uh, very quick review there of the English... Premier League and uh, great story Luton, there's always great stories around football particularly around uh, English uh, history of football and Luton Town going from um, you know the outhouse to the penthouse particularly in terms of their uh, balance sheet very very quickly, that is a great story of achievement, it's 11.43 here on SENZ A couple of texts to read out about occasions um, Steve says, morning Smithy on a more positive note uh, to what we've been talking about this morning, I went to the Highlanders game uh, what a fantastic send-off for Aaron Smithy. Uh, great atmosphere, really good crowd. The zoo was humming. Um, plus to finish in such an exciting way, to see the excitement on Aaron's face when the winning try was scored 
uh, by Whakatawa, incidentally, topped off it beautifully. So um, for uh, Aaron Smith, it's been a wonderful career for the Highlanders, of course, not finished just yet, um, but there's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, had some great memories of uh, the stadium, Forsyth Bar Stadium in particular, with his uh, history down there. Uh, and he was, uh, will always remain one of their favourite sons, possibly uh, is he the greatest ever Highlander? Um, that would be an interesting debate, maybe one for tomorrow. Uh, where does Aaron Smith sit in terms of uh, Highlanders? Uh, is he right up there with the very, very best? Uh, Kane, on the other hand, uh, went to Napier. Uh, right, uh, first of all, he said they ran out of beer by half time and the food lines were so long you'd miss half the game if you were to wait in line. Uh, that's without even mentioning the streakers. Um, pitch invaders as such, um, I reckon Kane as opposed to streakers, but however, in my opinion, Napier had their chance and missed badly. It was a far from a good experience, says Kane, and I'm disappointed I spent my hard-earned on money travelling there. I'd be happy to never see another Warriors game in Napier. And I think, Kane, uh, that, I think uh, that kind of text sits in the majority at the moment. It's still quite bitter, Logan, uh, a couple of days later for people who made the effort. Mm. Uh, it wasn't what you'd call a very warm night. It wasn't bitterly cold, but they had to stand in lines to get in, stand for food, and then, of course, you get to a situation where they run out of uh, beer before half halftime. Uh, not right. Absolutely not right. Yeah, I, and as you said, rocking up to uh, McLean Park, it was just picture perfect. It was going to be just this amazing night of footy, and it started off great uh, with uh, Wairangi Kupu leading out the teams and, you know, sort of giving the welcome for Tohu Harris and the boys. It was really special, and then just the way the energy was completely sucked out of uh, McLean Park with um, those pitch invaders was really unfortunate because the vibe around the town all day, Smithy, was just great. The Warriors were around, they were mixing and mingling, doing their thing, but never afraid to stop and take a photo with the fans. And I think that's really important that they've been able to do that. Um, and I hope it's not the last time that an NRL game does go to Napier, because by the sounds of it, Smithy, you had a great time, man. I'm sure a lot of people did. It's just unfortunate that some fans uh, ruined it for others. Well, um, Adam Reynolds, I think, too, was uh, very reflective of the occasion. Because the Broncos also had made the effort to get out and about in the limited time they had in Napier. Um, both teams, I think, uh, visited the Esk Valley, or representatives for, uh, from both teams. Uh, where Esk Valley, where it's just absolutely uh, mind-boggling, the scenes that are there still this long after the cyclone. And who knows how, at what stage they'll be able to perhaps turn it around, maybe never. Uh, but those were the kind, that's the kind of feeling we've got in Hawke's Bay at the moment. And it was an honour, and a really timely honour, for the Warriors, um, you know, the, as this game was, was scheduled to come to Napier prior to the Cyclone. This is not like a, um, you know, this is not like a, because of the Cyclone you're going to get a game. So we knew it was on the calendar for a long period of time. It was just that uh, it, it was what the, I think the, everyone needed around here. It was uh, a, a departure from the norm. Normally we get big rugby or big cricket games here. But to have a match of that stature from uh, a side which is... Uh, Riding a pretty big high at the moment because of uh, the way they're playing the game. Great expectations that they'd win. Um, we won't know because of um, you know the loss of momentum with the stoppages, etc., whether they would have won or not. But they were turning in the right direction. And, of course, um, that last uh, play with uh, Adam Pompey will uh, live long in his mind as uh, to a lot of people who, uh, as you know, Logan, were ecstatic uh, 
up on their feet absolutely in fits of joy uh, over the thought that the Warriors for the second time this season had produced the comeback from hell, um, but it wasn't to be. Yep. Yep. And just quickly before we go to the ad break, Smithy, now that you've gone to your first NRL game, are we going to see you at Mount Smart at some point? I'd love to. Absolutely love to. Uh, I think a whole different fan base in Auckland. Um, you know, they are experienced fans. They've been there before. It's not like um, it's not like it's a novelty for them, but it's a ritual. They've got the, the Warriors' blood running through their veins, the Auckland fan base, uh, because it's their team as such. But uh, we won't see any stupidity up there. Uh, I'm sure, and they've done so many games that it's like clockwork. So I'd love, I'd love that experience. I really would. I really would. Napier, um, those people that tried their best to do it uh, well, you did. You achieved. Ruined by so few um, who, if they're not feeling sick today, 